Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to episode 65 now of the WP Builds Podcast, entitled a wonderfully frank interview with Troy Dean about what makes him tick. It was released on Thursday the 1st of March 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com for our discussion about should we include our credits in client site footers, And also at the end, a little ending fact entitled, Does Above the Fold Matter Anymore? Please go to the WP Builds website and click on all of the buttons underneath the player, including the iTunes one, and give us a five-star review if you you think we're worth five stars. You can go to the Facebook group and join at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. You can subscribe to our newsletter at forward slash subscribe. And if you want to advertise on the podcast, it's forward slash advertise. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the fact that we've spun off the newsletter, which now comes out on a Monday. I noticed quite a lot of you had opened it from the stats that we get. So thank you. I'm going to continue to do that. So there's no news items. We're just going to go straight into the discussion in a moment. I apologise for releasing the podcast a little bit later than normal, and that's because my boiler broke. And my boiler breaking at this time of year in the UK means the temperature in my house plummeted and everybody started to shiver. So I've uh, had to get on with that today, so I'm a little bit late. I can hear the violins being played as we speak. Okay, let's go on to our discussion in just a moment. But um, first of all, a word about Troy. Um, Got Troy Dean on the podcast today, as you know. Founder of WP Elevation, um, a very, very popular way of upping your game if you are a WordPress business owner. Um, now, at this time of year, he sort of traditionally comes around and lots of podcasts invite him on because it's the, the launch of the WP Elevation um, course right now. I thought I'd take a little bit of a dif- different approach and ask him to speak more about him and his hopes and fears and desires and how he grew up and why is he successful and why is he able to speak for so long without saying um, all of those kind of things. So it's a little bit of um, an insight into him as a person. Thank you for those people who contributed in the Facebook group offering questions. I appreciate that. And I've certainly, um, without mentioning your names, I've certainly... Um, included the questions in some way, shape or form, if I thought they were appropriate. Cough, cough, Simon Kelly. Um, Yeah, go and have a listen after the discussion and I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast episode. I certainly enjoyed making it. Thank you. And today's discussion is, should we include our credits in client sites footers? So this one really comes out of our own Facebook group, the WP Builds Facebook group, where there's quite an impassioned debate on this subject. I think, Nathan, it was Brenda Malone who kicked it off. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, and it's 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 not a fresh topic either. I think it's a few months old, isn't it? But we finally got around to talking about it. But it's, um, it's something that I've come across people talking about, not just in our group, people mm. generally speaking um, in different Facebook groups talking about the same thing. And, and I guess the the idea goes back to, you know, a long time ago, I used to put a little image credit, actually, 
in the Ooh. bottom of all the sites that I built on every single page, and it would be an image of my picture and word logo, uh, and it would link with with absolutely, you know, it would open up a new window, uh, an underscore blank, um, but I wouldn't cloak that with a no follow or anything. And then Brenda, uh, uh, incidentally, I haven't yet gone back and undone them on all the sites, so I should, probably should do that. But Brenda made the point that um, that this was bad practice, didn't she? Yeah, I think uh, things have changed. Obviously, Penguin and Panda, and I forget which one it was, where you know there was trying to stop those abuses of of just general links coming in inbound links. So, you know, it's a, it was a great way of cheating the system in the early days. But now, if it's not related to the website, so you know, all your client sites are unlikely to be the same as you mm. in that they're um, providing web building services so you know it's likely to probably do yourself more damage and possibly the client a little bit of damage because they're linking out to a site that isn't relevant to what they do so so is it sorry to interrupt was brenda mm. suggesting that you should merely you know if you want to carry on with this practice was she, she was she suggesting that you should at the very most put um the text in but without any anchor at all you should just simply write in my case i don't know site built by picture and word just as plain text with no link whatsoever was that what she was saying is the best thing or was she saying you know use no follow or something like that do you know i should have checked the debate because she had some good re- yeah no follow was what i think other people were saying to counter what she she was saying that she thought it was bad practice and no follow would get round this. But I think there was still some issue. And actually, we need her to really fill us in on this one, what it was with no follows. But uh, I think generally it's, it does come up this one, doesn't it? You mentioned somebody else who thought it was a bad idea as well. Yeah, I have a memory um, years and years ago of having being in a conversation with Kath Hughes, who's one of the coaches at WP Elevation. I have a mm. memory that she she was making the very same point that it was bad um, not not just for um, for your uh, business, but also for the the client sites businesses, because really, your stuff doesn't relate to their stuff, and you know, I don't know yeah. if you um, seek permission. I, in my contract, as one of the mm. points buried deep was was this exact clause that I would uh, I would unless otherwise specified, I would put such a link in the footer of every page. Nobody ever mm. came back to me on that one, probably because they never you know, read the contract that carefully. Um, Hmm. And also, to be fair, no client ever told me to remove it. And there it was, you know, on the website, including the testing uh, time. But I think Kath made the same point as Brenda, that that this really wasn't a good idea, you know, perhaps ethically as much as anything else. But if you're saying that the latest Google updates have actually become intelligent enough to uh, figure out that, you know, this same identical link is linking back to a web building service and clearly these these client sites have got nothing to do with that web building service um, then it's doing you harm and if that's the case we should remove them right away yeah i think you know that whatever whoever is the expert on this is probably guessing because we we don't know what's in google's mind with these things so we do know that they you know, they have a low priority in the footer, don't they? You know, things that are repeated on each page can be ignored often by them in footers. They know what it is. But I, I actually, maybe it's more the ethics of it. I think, to be honest, Brenda was quite passionate about it because of that, you know, this mm. idea that we do slap our branding in. And I, I 
to be honest, I never had a view on this at all, probably due to lack of imagination. I believed I never stuck them in any site, but I did look after this and found one site from ages back where it was using not my typical themes and I'd stuck a link into me. So, yeah, so I was just following a pattern then. And I think many of us are. So it's worth challenging it, isn't it? Well, I, I did it just because it seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, just began doing yeah. it. And like I say, I went to the extent of even creating a, a sort of unique little logo um, that, <laughs> that that fitted really nicely in a footer and was just the right size and everything. And um, But then abandoned that um, and then just went to a text yeah. link with, a like I say, a blank tag. But now... Um, just working on the assumption that Brenda and Kath, I guess, are both actually um, correct. I've now just modified that. And all I do now is say site by picture and word in plain text. And that's it. Um, and no, no clients have, have quibbled that either. So that's probably the way I'll go forwards. Unless somebody with, you know, um, the right mm. credentials comes forwards from this podcast and says, no, 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 it's fine. Do this. Um, then I probably would go back to doing it. Yes. I fancy the idea of you having a little video in the footer going, hello, it's me. I built this. Above that, that would be hysterical. Work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that website up there? See that website above my head? That was me, that was. Click on this button here. Subscribe over here. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it, you've got no business doing it really, have you? I suppose from an ethical point of view. Um the hiding behind a clause in a contract and burying something in a website and, uh, you know, hoping that probably the client doesn't notice it or that if they do notice it, they won't be bothered enough to ask you to remove it. Um, maybe there's a, a little bit of a lack of ethic there because they've paid for your services already. Um, it's a bit like when I go to the cinema and pay, I get really frustrated then to watch adverts uh, mm. before the film because I think I've paid for this I shouldn't be watching adverts <laughs> unless it's that one that goes yes Pearl and Dean oh well remembered yeah those those <laughs> in the UK who lived in the sort of 70s and 80s and 90s will know what we're on about um, but yeah I, I hey, think that's the point yeah I've, uh, here's a thought which I hadn't thought about uh, is we noticed that most of the themes though um Actually, so, sorry, the, the themes we buy yes. often come yes. with a link back to them in their footer. Yes, so, that's a good point. Do you think they're just trying to, I don't know, even if it doesn't particularly do them much good, at least it puts a, puts a footprint somewhere on Google. Um, do you think that's what they're doing? Or do you think they just haven't caught up to this yet either? Or do you think yeah, we're just maybe. completely wrong? <laughs> maybe. Well, there's one that goes even further, a theme, Tesseract theme. Yeah, that one that, uh, well, it's connected with Beaver Builder in the fact that they were doing promotions for their theme and using Beaver Builder. But right. um, it's not a very popular thing because, um, yeah, there was <laughs> problems with it. But I remember that the, to use that they, they had a, a free theme, but you had to pay if you wanted to remove their branding. Oh, so, oh no, yeah. no, 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 I don't like mm. that at all. No, people didn't. And and there was a, a video that WP Crafter showed you how to do it anyway. So, Well, I mean, it's trivial to do, isn't it? You just have to find yeah. it somewhere um, and then just remove it. But presumably then you'll have to either create a child theme without it or keep con continually updating the, the core files, which is not a good idea. So what, they were charging a, a modest fee, like a couple of dollars or mm. something, or was that, that was the pro version, was it? 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's all it was. If you wanted it removing, I think it was ten dollars. But this is from memory. But uh, yeah, it's the first time I've seen that. But yeah, that's, that's we bizarre. were no, I don't like that at all. We were talking about our contradictions, weren't we? About our double standards because you know we we hang around um, the AppSumo site looking for stuff and <laughs> and read the comments there. So anyone who puts something up there um, yeah, with branding on it usually. You know, gets quite a lot of comments about it, don't they? That, that is, it's a deal breaker for me if it's going to have your branding on it. Yeah, and I am, I am absolutely that person. Um, <laughs> you know, that is to say, I don't like adverts on telly. I don't like wearing slogans for companies on my body. You know, whether that's on a t-shirt or a cap or anything, I just don't like it much. Um, and yet, complete double standards for years, and and still to this day. I'll I'll change those rules quite happily so that it benefits me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what are humans made of? I mean, in my case, just hypocrisy. <laughs> I wear so much branded stuff because it's been out in the east here. So I pick up yeah, I pick up t-shirts on the basis of their price. So what they've got on it doesn't matter to me. So I'm advertising anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether I believe in them or not. Do you know yeah. it's interesting? I'm I'm very happy to like let's say for example that I got a beaver builder cap. I would happily wear that mm. oddly because I'm I'm wedded to it and I I've bought into it and I like it and and that's fine. But if it was just a Nike logo or something like that, I would I would shy away from it just because it's conglomerate and it's faceless and it doesn't doesn't speak to me particularly. Um, I'm the antithesis of that. I don't think oh it's cool to wear branded clothing. I think you know it might be cool to wear the clothing, but damn it, you're not gonna you're not gonna get free advertising out of me after I've paid for it. So, yeah. yeah, I am a hypocrite because I put these links in the bottom. Although, I, like I say, I've stopped with the linking, but I'm still going to continue with writing the words. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do any yeah. of that? Do you put links in? Do you still, uh, I know you said you hadn't been. Do you put any just no. normal text links or do you just put nothing at all? Yeah, nothing at all. And it's just lack of imagination. And right. I think the only reason there's on one is just because there was a slot there on a theme I didn't know. And I thought, oh, I'll just fill it. And I must have forgotten about it. You know, I must have just filled it in then while we we're working on it and forgotten. So, yeah. yeah, no, no thought has gone. But you know what? I'm going to argue the other side. Sorry, Brenda. But, you know, I have found them personally quite useful, particularly when there's a site. Well, both really. A site that I really love and a site that I really hate. I have to go and look in the footer. And I'm disappointed if there isn't a link to take me to that agency. Oh, I see. So from the point of view of somebody that likes yeah. to keep up with design trends and things, when you see mm. a good site, you like the convenience of scrolling to the bottom, clicking and finding out more about the, the, the agency that or the, the company that made the site. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. Okay. I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That's a good yeah, that's a good that's a good, but that's I suppose quite a peculiarity of what you do for a living, isn't it? As opposed to some some client who's looking for a website, stumbling across uh, an already built website, and then saying, "Oh, I'm going to use that agency because I like what they've done." Yeah, but somebody you know in that same conversation said they've had a couple of um, jobs come in through links. I don't know if they've checked this. I mean, you never know with conversations, you know, um, <laughs> like that somebody wants to make a point and that's the reason for doing it. But I don't know how much proportionally work would come in through that. But, you know, it does seem conceivable that someone could see a site they looked and scroll down to the footer and say, OK, did they well, do it? You know what? If if that statement is true, 
I, I can mm. I could never say that it's ever worked for me because I never ask that question. I'm just too idle. Yeah. Um, but if somebody can prove to themselves that that's worked, then it's absolutely worth doing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you had a really good idea um, about how to sort of sidestep this problem and potentially um, turn it into a positive, which I thought your, your your page idea, which I thought was ingenious. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah, just by thinking before we <laughs> we turned on the record, it's just, well, why? Here's my issue. If you see those sort of things that say built with love by this agency or something, it doesn't really tell you anything about the site at all. And we know that these are always, you know, typically it's going to be the client's uh, copy and content and they're going to have some say in the design. So, you know, there's nothing to reflect that. It, you assume that it's there, but why not take this one step further and have a credits link that takes you to a non-follow page, which actually gave a call out to people who've helped on the site, include possibly, this is the tricky bit, a few affiliate links to the tools that are used on that site. Mm. Uh, so it would be of interest and well, just anything like that really I could go in your turn. Yeah, sorry, I'm interrupting yet again. Um, I think that's an ingenious idea. And I, I certainly am going to think about that seriously. I don't think I would go as far as the um, the affiliate links. I might mm. um, I might ask them if that was okay. Mm. You know, would it be all right if we create this page? Um, and I think that's the approach I'm going to take from now on. Is is it okay if I put a link in the to a credits mm. page? And if so, is it okay if I list out the tools? But also, I suppose that page is a is a good place for them, the client, to put mm. their stuff too you know they might have some affiliate links but also they might have um they might have relationships with other com companies um mm. who it it would appear that that they're helping each other out you know it's a bit like um what's it called mm. link building but not because it's all well, with no follows but the idea that you know if if x company works with y company look we're going to feature you on our little credits page would you um would you feature us possibly on your credits page even though there's no seo benefit to it at all we're not claiming that that, that I think that's a I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, it seems like one. To, well, there's probably some really you know re good reasons why not to do it. But yes, I, it's reminded me as well of another footer on a client site where if I did want to put my own link in there, I wouldn't have the space probably for it because mm -hmm. they needed to credit the photographer. Right. Because I think they they obviously the photographer had given them their photos for free or something just, you know, for a credit. So, you know, it's the, probably lots of occasions where more information would be great on a page. I have to say, mm. years ago, I used to receive huge amount of email per year with people mm. wanting to swap links and link build, mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. But that's mm. that's completely dried up. Now, it might be that my spam filters in my inbox have um, have kind of caught on to this and have stopped those emails percolating through to me but I don't get them anymore so I wonder if that's a I wonder if people have worked out that that's just a, a dead a dead habit anyway what do you say that but it's funny enough I just it was I was on Facebook now this will be I can't even remember who it was but it'll still be out of time by the time we release this but yeah someone had just received and they shared with it and thought is this spam this was this was link sharing they'd wrote an article and could you link to my article which is similar and I've had this come into me just recently oh, okay. and somebody followed up somebody followed up yesterday saying and, and um, me being me, you know somebody wants to have that relationship I kind of just ignored it and I probably still will but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's good. Well, it certainly seems to have dried up in my inbox anyway. And my guess is that 
with the you know the complexity of Google and search engines, those kind of things are being spotted a mile off, and not only will there be yeah. no benefit, but there also might be some sort of um, detrimental effect on your your SEO. I have to say, you know, there's 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 not a great deal probably of SEO benefit that ever was. It was you know always going to be just people clicking on the link itself. That was the only intention I ever had. Not to sort of yeah. push me up in the search search ranks, but simply to yeah. for for people to you know find who I was, and as I say, I was not tracking any of those metrics anyway. So really, long and the short of it is, I should probably stop doing it. But I do like your credits page idea. I think that's really good. Mm, there was one thing we missed out on this, and I wonder if you know how you get around it because this would be my fear. So a lot of the sites that we build aren't the most beautiful things anyway, mm. but. But once the client's got a hold of them, <laughs> yes. um, they're completely different to how I'd like them to look. So have you, have you had this issue? You manage most of your client sites, so I guess it's not such an issue. But... Yeah, I've had loads of that, actually. I've had um, – it happened much more in the days when I used Drupal because Drupal allowed you to uh, really customize the WYSIWYG editor. Um, you could you – could have every con- it basically the WYSIWYG editor uh, was not an altered version of Tiny MCE. It was Tiny MCE, so it came with every single option out of the box. And to begin with, I would allow the clients to have every single option, and then of course you realise very quickly that they screw everything up. It was mainly fonts and colours and sizes. Mm. Um, mm. And but with with things like Beaver Builder, where now I'm usually just creating something like ACF fields which map to a thema layout they don't really have that choice uh you know all they've got is the option to change the text in this field in the in the edit section of whatever custom post type it is and then click save and then that text goes into the correct place so it it doesn't I don't really get that much anymore I've just handed over a site to a client um and my advice has always been look I've installed duplicate post the plugin I've said just clone the post fiddle mm-hmm. with the post make absolutely sure that you're looking at all the important things like you know the padding and the margins and the font size and the font color and all that and then if you're entirely happy go and replicate what you did on the real one but there's no way of stopping it apart from educating your clients but what what can you do <laughs> yeah do you know what? I thought about the other side of it. There might be this, might be out there. There might be some people who want you to put their link in their footer. Mm. So it kind of gives them kudos. You know, if mm. somebody's had a site built by an agency, yes. creditable. Yes, well, you that's true. You should, you should have said this, Nathan, at the beginning. You should have said, clients beg me they, to put my... Yes, <laughs> right. So let's press stop. We'll start this recording again, <laughs> and I'll begin that way. And it'll only be a two-minute two minute thing. No, I, I guess the, the the long and the short of it is... I've basically stopped doing it, but I'm now going to start doing it again with your credits page because I think that's an ingenious idea. However, I would I will stand corrected if somebody's got an, a very solid reason why I shouldn't be doing that. My problem is I don't really keep abreast of all the SEO stuff. What with everything I'm trying to juggle in in my business and life and everything, SEO tends to be a, a poor relation for me, and I don't really keep up with it. Hi, uh, yeah. So really what we're saying is we don't know, but we want Brenda Malone's approval. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Brenda, tell us. Tell us the answer, please. And we'll do whatever you say from now on. <laughs> right. Uh, time for the interview. Yes. Yeah, let's go to the interview. Thanks, David. 
Hello and welcome to, well I have no idea what episode we're on now, we're on 65 or 66 or something like that, but I have somebody that I've been win- wanting to speak to for a very long time. I've actually known of him for a very long time, and, but I haven't spoken to him one-to-one ever before, so hello to Troy Dean from Australia. Hello Nathan, thank you very much for having me on the show, and you know, it's kind of weird, I feel like I can't believe I haven't been on the show before. Mm. I kind of feel like I'm a re- return visitor, but I'm not. It's unusual that I haven't been on the show yet. How does how has that happened? Well, we frankly we haven't want no. Um, we well, I, I'll tell you what we had uh, <laughs> we had gin on. Um, That's correct. You did. That's yeah, right. And whiskey and bourbon and Excellent. all of the, right. the the full range of drinks. Um, no, Ba-dum. she was she was yet. Yeah, she was brilliant. She was very, very forthcoming and really, what a, what a fabulous person to have alongside you at WP Elevation. Well, you know what they say, she, you know, she's, she's, confl- she's always saying, behind every great man is a great gin. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, look, she's, she's awesome. She's been with us for almost four years now and uh, she is just an absolute asset to the business and... Uh, She's made a huge difference to our business and to my life and to my stress levels. And it's, yeah, it's great to have her. And it was fantastic to see her go on a podcast and to have the confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to go on the podcast and I know my stuff and I'm, you know, I'm going to talk about what we do here. And uh, I was very proud of her for doing that. And yeah. she's been hosting our podcast. She hosted a bunch of episodes in our in our previous season. Yep. Um, so she's really stepped up into that space. It's been really good to see. Yeah, I listen to her a lot, actually, pretty much everything that, that she's put out. And it's great. So any, yeah. just moving to one side. Traditionally, Troy comes on podcasts and he talks uh, about his enormously successful WP Elevation business. Um we're not going to do that today, although we will at some point um, toward the end. But I thought it might be quite interesting to just take a bit of an angle on uh, Troy himself and talk about him as a person and his hopes and fears and desires and all of that kind of stuff. And just before we began the call, he said, ask me anything. <clears throat> right. So that's what I'm going to do. And Excellent. Yeah. Well, essentially, you're everywhere. You're omnipresent in my universe, if you like, because my Facebook feed, the algorithm Facebook has got is absolutely aligned to the stuff that you give out. So there you are all the time. Fabulous. Brilliant. Mm. Um, But I'm kind of wondering, were you, do you think that you were destined to be a successful business person? You know, the whole argument of nature versus nurture. Were you born with all the, the sort of attributes to become a successful person, do you think? Um, oh man, that's a really good question. That's a very, very good question, Nathan. And no one's ever asked me that before. No, you won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I like it. Um, you know, I think, I think. Look, when I was a kid, I always found myself in situations where um, I was coming up with crazy, harebrained ideas for projects and you know, friends and cousins and stuff would just kind of tend to go along, right? So. Mm. What I what I did realize as I as I kind of went through my adolescent years and got into my early twenties is that I did have this ability to start a project and get other people to play along, mm. and so you know that was um, primarily because I just made so much noise and was so bombastic <laughs> that people just did what I said to shut me up, right? Um, and it's still it's still working today. I mean, that's really the only reason people join WP Elevation is so that I'll stop talking about it. Um, so, um, so I think I certainly didn't have, <clears throat> you know, if you want to talk about the whole nature versus nurture thing, I didn't have any business role models in my life. I grew up in a pretty modest 
um, working class, maybe kind of lower middle class uh, socioeconomic area in the northern suburbs of South Australia, went to a very basic public school. Um, you know, it was a pretty rough part of town. There was lots of racial tension, it was very multicultural. There were, you know, fights in the park after school. Um, there was, you know, petty crime, houses being broken into, cars being stolen. Um, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the badlands, but it, it certainly wasn't, you know, um, it, 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 it was a fairly colourful area to grow up in and um, mm. and you had to be fairly street smart. And, and everyone there was basically an employee. The, I think the only guy I knew who had his own business uh, was a truck driver and uh, owned a trucking company and employed other truck drivers. And, and then eventually he moved out of the area and went and lived in a two-storey house um, up in the hills. Uh, which for me was like was fascinating to go and visit their place because they had this two-story house and they had this big pool in the backyard and and it was an amazing um, place. Now, having said that, we were also the first people in our street to get an in-ground swimming pool in our backyard, so Ooh. we were also we were also very popular because people <laughs> everyone wanted to come and you know swim in our pool. So so when I say you know that's kind of where I grew up, I was also very privileged because both my parents. Um, worked, you know, dad was in sales, we ended up doing pretty well right, and we right. ended up moving out of that area and, you know, building a house in the hills as well. Um, and then, you know, subsequently my parents broke up when I was 12 years old and then that was a whole other curveball that life threw me, which I had to navigate. Um, and, but I was always, I was always brought up with that work ethic that you work hard, right. you know, you, you, you earn a, a good day's pay for a good day's work. My, my grandfather and my parents were members of the Australian Labor Party, which is a the kind of um, progressive union-based protect the workers' rights yep. um, a political party here in Australia. Yep. Um, and so I, I, was, I was always, I had that uh, that kind of ingrained in me from a very young age and and never was it even spoken about that I would have my own business yep. ever. That was yep. just never a conversation that we had at the dinner table. Um, that's what other people did. Yeah. You know? So was the expectation um, that you would maybe go and get a job, that kind of thing? Well, well, the expectation was that I would go to um, – um, I think the expectation was that I would – my brother is a little bit older than me. He's three and a half years older than me. He went to university um, to start a – he went to university with the idea of studying law. He got halfway through first year, dropped out, got a job in the bank, ended up going back to university and becoming a certified practicing accountant, got his MBA, and is now a very, very successful um, um, uh, upper level manager, uh, a, a general manager actually of a very large nonprofit in South Australia and doing very well for himself and has a great professional career. So that I think the expectation for me was that I would go to university you know, get some study and 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 then get a career. And I started a Bachelor of Educational Theatre with the idea of uh, becoming a drama teacher. Now, the truth is, since, <laughs> hey. I was, since I was about six years old, I've always just, you know, you know, when I was about six years old, I would stand on my bed and I would be miming, you know, singing to Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger songs. And I just wanted to be a rock and roll star. And then when I got a little bit older into my teenage years, I wanted to be an actor. And I got really bad advice from careers counsellors and, and my family kind of didn't also really know how to support 
uh, a teenager, uh, you know, an, an emotional teenager who wanted to become an actor. And so what eventually happened is I went to university to become a drama teacher because, because that was the most sensible thing they could suggest. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Being, being an actor was just irresponsible. Um, there was no career in, in being uh, an actor. So I went to uni to, be, to study to become a drama teacher. I lasted eight months and I dropped out and I ended up just playing in bands in my 20s. And that's what brought me to Melbourne. So the short, the, the long answer to your question is, I think there was something in me that was a, a natural performer. I, I love performing in front of people. I love getting the tribe motivated and getting everyone pumped up and inspired and yeah. excited about something. I love the feedback from the audience. But the whole business stuff, I've had to figure that out myself through you know, learning online, a lot of reading, surrounding myself with good people, lots of listening, lots of study, all done online through online courses and, and study. I've never been to business school or or had any real business role models in my life. I've just had to figure that stuff out myself. Yeah. Well, I read um, many, many years ago, I read Richard Branson's, I don't know if it was an autobiography, but a biography. And he kind of um, sold a magazine. He created this magazine when he was still yep. a child in the playground and yep. and became very successful and kind of got his fingers into that pie and realized that this was for him. You, so there was none of that. You didn't dabble with business or, you know, figure figure out making money by the age of four or anything like that. No, I um no, I was I was never doing the lemonade stand mm. thing or uh you know, or washing the neighbors' cars. I mean I we I did chores around the house and got an allowance. Uh, which I, you know, which I, um, we, we was called pocket money when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Uh, which yeah. I, yeah, which I subsequently spent all of my pocket money on on um, on Lego. Um, <laughs> um, so I was never good at saving. Um, and and the thing is, I was never taught really. I remember my mum did all the books in our house, and she did all the the pay stuff in our house and looked after all the money. But I was never taught and in school you were never taught this is how to run a, a, a household budget or this is how to save money or this is what money is and this is how to think about money in fact all of the messaging and everything I learned about money when I was a kid was all about scarcity it was yeah, all, you know me one too, of the, yeah one of yeah. the, the the favorite things my parents would say is oh money doesn't grow on trees yes now I, I got some news for you kids I was born in 1973 right when I was born <laughs> money was actually made out of paper not plastic so it actually did grow on trees um, so you know I I had I didn't uh, I wasn't you know um, I, I was I was very organized I was always I was always organizing little ventures so when I first started playing in bands in my late teens it was a very organized outfit I had you know a hard drive set up with all of our marketing assets and all of our spreadsheets and all of our posters and everything on the hard drive it was very well organized but I really didn't have any idea about the commercial side of things or, or you know what money meant or how money worked I didn't I had no idea about that do you, um, sorry, I'm just thinking about the next thing. And I'm thinking the reason that I um, I find you sort of mesmeric when I listen to you talking and watch your videos and things like that is because you are completely able to speak without a pause and for it to sound incredibly authoritative. Um, and I don't really know... This is going to sound like I'm being sycophantic, and I'm really not. I I honestly mean what I'm about to say. There are, there are very few people in my life. My father is actually one of them. Um, mm. He can speak, and I listen, um, and nothing seems to be forced. And 
every word is very measured and everything seems to be almost like you've practiced it. Now, obviously, mm. on the videos you put online, that's very much the case. You've, you've done your best to produce the, the content that you're producing. Presumably, you've gone through a few takes. I don't know. But when you do these podcast interviews, you, you go through a five-minute dialogue and you don't pause and you don't mm. stutter and you don't um, do what I've just done, which is to say, erm, a lot. How, yeah. how do you do that? It's really funny you mentioned that, actually. Lee Jackson said something similar on uh, last night's podcast. Um, I think, you know, I think it's when you're really passionate. So there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, I do. I have done voiceovers for a long time ah, yes. in, yeah. in TV and radio studios. And so you learn, you learn a certain rhythm uh, to deliver a you know some words and you learn how to sight read very quickly now i'm not sight reading anything here i'm just looking at my computer screen and um and and listening to your questions and answering as honestly and as authentically as i can but i think i do have a very intimate understanding of what my voice does and how my voice works and the rhythm of speech i have yeah, a very very do. intimate understanding of the rhythm of speech yeah but the other thing i think that comes to play is when you are just when you're when you're in flow, when you're in your sweet spot, when you are doing exactly what you know you should be doing, it's really easy to answer questions. You don't because I don't have to make anything up. I don't have to think on the spot. I'm just I'm just transparent. I'm just authentic. I'm just completely naked, if you like. Mm. And that's actually a very liberating thing mm. because you don't have to you don't have to make anything up or force anything. And this is something I've learned about being in business as well and communicating is that when you are completely transparent and there's nothing to hide, it's actually a very liberating experience. Right. And it takes requires less energy than if you're trying to make something up or trying to impress someone. That actually takes a lot of energy, a lot of mental energy to sort of think on your feet and do that mm. dance. Mm. So I think there's a couple of things there, but, you know, really – what it comes down to is I, 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 at the end of the day, I think I'm just doing what I should be doing, what I, and I've been doing it for a long time and I've had lots of conversations and I've been on lots of podcasts and I just feel really comfortable in who I am these days yeah. and what I have to offer. And I'm not trying to impress anyone and I'm not yeah. trying to prove anything to anyone. It's, um, I think that's what I was talking about at the beginning when I asked about nature versus nurture, because it, it, it feels to me as if you were given that gift um, upon birth, if you like, you were given the gift of talking, sounding mm. um, sincere, and I don't mean sounding sincere. I mean, you know, literally, it mm. sounds sincere and mm. authoritative. And I would imagine mm. that those things are very, very useful if you're going to be involved in in what you do. Um, yeah, they are. And and I and I have to say, I probably get a little bit of that from my dad. My right. dad uh, is a um, my dad's a performer. He he's been in sales his whole life. Um, but he's a performer. He's done a bit of acting. He's got an incredible voice. Uh, he knows how to use it. He mm. knows how to tell stories. He knows how to bring out emotion with his voice. Uh, and I learned a lot from listening to his stories when I was a kid. Yep. I learned a lot about how to hold a room and how to hold people's attention and how to take people on a journey. Um, so that, you know, I, 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 whether that's something I was born with or something I just learnt because my dad is always performing. He's never right. off. He's always on. 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, maybe I just learned it from watching him in my early years. Yeah, but those things are beautiful steps up in life, aren't they? You know, uh, oh, if you've totally. got a father yeah, yeah. who has those attributes and is oh. uh, subliminally supplying them to you and you, you're obviously looking up to your father and, and those things are, oh. you, your osmosis is sucking them yeah. in. And you've become totally. like that. That's so good. But, but, you know, I mean, you see people all the time who are very uh, introverted. They struggle to speak in public. And, and you've, you've, you don't have to struggle with those hurdles. And, and that must be a big, a big part of it. Do you ever, um, the, the word imposter syndrome gets bandied around a little mm-hmm. bit. Did, did you ever, have you ever, um, despite mm-hmm. the fact that you sound authoritative, have you ever suffered mm-hmm. from crises of confidence and thought, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm, so out of my depth i sound like i'm authentic but actually i'm 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 treading water here absolutely uh, I, I, like I, almost you know almost on a daily basis definitely a weekly basis in fact i had this conversation with simon kelly uh, yesterday hmm. so we do a live stream show every tuesday called silence is golden on facebook and then after the show yesterday we went out for a coffee just for a quick catch up to touch base and we were talking about feeling like a fraud being an imposter and I said to Simon, you know, man, like you got to realize everybody feels that at some point on a regular basis. It doesn't matter how successful you are or how confident you may appear to the outside world. It's part of the human condition. It's part of wanting to fit into the tribe and wanting that sense of connectedness and that sense of approval from your fellow tribes people. That, that is why we feel imposter syndrome, because in the back of our mind, there's that that subconscious voice that's always just asking, am I doing the right thing and will this get approval from the tribe? Because mm-hmm. one of our greatest fears, I think, is is being ostracized from the tribe. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, I, I feel that. In fact, I'm, last year in May, we ran a, um, a theme here. We ran a campaign at WP Elevation called Mental Health Month for the month of May in 2017. And a lot of us posted our, our own personal stories about um, our experience was uh, was mental health issues, and I posted a story about my experience with anxiety over the years and how I've managed to harness anxiety and use it as energy rather than allow it to debilitate me. But there was a time where, you know, there there, there was a time in the early around 2000 through 2004 where you know I was just not you know, I was a different person to what I am now. There is Mm. no way I would be doing what I'm doing now back Mm. then because I didn't have the confidence. I was riddled with anxiety. I didn't know who I was. I was basically wandering around the planet a little bit lost trying to figure stuff out. And, uh, you you know, if people, people that know me back then, if they saw me now, they wouldn't recognize me and vice versa. If anyone knows me now in this space that saw me back in the early two thousands, I'm just, I was just a completely different person. So, Mm. and I think a lot of that just comes down to, the self-talk that you have and um, I've learned a lot over the years that if you don't talk to yourself constantly throughout the day and and promote yourself and and talk to yourself about your confidence and your skills and what you're good at and pat yourself on the back and praise yourself if you don't do that you leave yourself open to the rest of the world putting their messaging in your head and I promise you the rest of the world doesn't have your best interest at heart, <laughs> right? So my job is to brainwash myself every day that I'm doing the right thing and that we're adding value and that I am, you know, um, that I'm 
confident and that I can do this and that I can keep going. Because if I don't do that, I leave myself vulnerable to the rest of the world saying, you know, oh, you're a fraud and you don't know what you're talking about. And uh, because the rest of the world is, is looking after themselves, not me. So that's a little kind of trick that I've practiced over the last five years that seems to be working. How do you, you literally mean you speak out loud to yourself on those, along those lines or just, just like a meditation kind of thing? You just say it inwardly? Uh, so, uh, uh, so a bit of both. So I'll tell you what will happen That's during the day. Yeah. D- during the day, I'll spend a fair bit of time. I don't sit and, uh, I can sit in half Lotus, but I choose not to, I don't sit in half Lotus and stare at my navel. So I don't actually do like a structured meditation practice, yep. but I do practice mindfulness every day right, as much right. as I possibly can. And what that means right now is that I'm on a podcast with Nathan Wrigley and I'm trying to be 100% present in this moment as much as possible, right? And so I will, and before we went on, I will have a little conversation in my head that if, the, if I'm feeling uneasy or feeling a little bit anxious at all about, you know, how this podcast might be perceived or how I might come across, then I just remind myself of, you know, all of the uh, thank you cards that I've received over the last five years from our customers and all of the testimonials we've had and all of the experiences that I've had when I fly around the world and meet people at WordCamps and the positive uh, words that I've had and the positive feedback I've had from our products and services. And I remind myself about that and I say, look, you're doing, you know, you're doing a good job. Um, these feelings of anxiety and uneasiness and awkwardness and uncomfortability are completely normal. Just use that energy and as fuel, but you know, you're doing a good job. And so that will be a, a, a silent conversation that happens in my head on a daily basis, right throughout the day, even before we go live on silence is golden. Uh, before I pick up the phone and call one of our customers, before I get on a call with some of our consultants or agencies that work with us. Uh, and then more um, overtly, at the end of the day, if I've had a really good day or I've achieved something that I've been wanting to achieve for a long time, or even after I get off this call with you, I I occasionally will, as I'm walking off to make myself a coffee, I occasionally will actually say out loud, good job, mate, well done. Or I might say, um, you did really well today, buddy, well done. And I'll, you know, give myself a virtual pat on the back, but I'll actually say those words out aloud. Yeah, uh, because that's just a way of me positive, positively reaffirming that I'm doing the right thing. And and why not? Yeah. Because how yeah. much do we give ourselves yeah. a hard time for for not living up to our own expectations? So why not verbalize the fact that we're doing a good job? I know already that this conversation is this is the bit I'll remember the bit that you just said because I've never done that. Um, mm. I'm a I'm, I'm dreadful at um, self-deprecation. I, I actually quite enjoy it on a humorous level. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but but um, but but I think you're Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can recite them all. Um, but yeah. but I would, I think I would benefit from that. I think there's a bit yeah. of me. I, do you know what I'd have to do? I'd have to write it on post-it notes and stick them up and and force yeah, myself because it, it wouldn't be in my head. I think that's, Dude, I think I, that's I, brilliant. I, I, I had a counselor once, and I've spent a little bit of time in therapy over the years, and I don't mind talking about it so you know no there's no surprises there but I had a therapist say to me once um you know I I I talked about all this stuff in a therapy session once about how I feel like life is a is a swamp and there's no there's no clear path from you know getting from one bank to the other and it's a really murky muddy swamp in the middle in other words there's no black and white it's you know it's real life is life is the full catastrophe it's really murky and um I, I sort of visualized all these things that I was saying. And he said to me, 
you should write these things down on yeah. A4 pieces of paper and just yeah. put them up around the house. And for about six months, I would have friends come over to visit and I'd be a little bit self-conscious about all these bits of A4 paper up around the house. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. This is where I'm at in my life. This is what I'm going through. This yeah. is the journey I'm on. If you want to come to my place for dinner, then you're a part of it. Um, and some of those affirmations now stay with me and I use them on a, on a daily basis. And I remember this one example where I was – I was working on a job when I was doing some sound recording. Um, this is long before I started in the WordPress space. And I was working on this job and I was having a bit of a technical problem um, on this on a set, on a corporate video shoot. And the girl that was operating the, the teleprompt, the auto cue, she was a friend of mine and she was setting up the audio cue and I was setting up the sound stuff. And I had this technical problem and I said, oh, come on, Troy, you can do this, mate. You know how this works. And I said it out loud, sort of under my breath, and Nina, who was behind me setting up the auto cue, she said, oh, my God, you're so gentle to yourself. Because, <laughs> you know, because everyone else on set is like, oh, you idiot, what are you doing? I can't believe I did that, you idiot. You know, everyone's giving themselves a hard time. And Nina said, oh, my God, you're so gentle on yourself. I said, well, you know, I, I haven't been for many years, mm. so I'm practicing being gentle. Yeah. Do, do you still – do you have days where you – you suck at stuff and you um, think, oh, man, just the, I would just need to get away from this. Do you, do you have any yep. of those and what do you do? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. You know, well, I get, a, I get a seven and a half month old. Actually, he'll be eight months next week. Um, yeah. A little boy, our first boy um, named Oscar. So, yes. you know, yes. when it all goes south, I just go home and look at Oscar yes. and, uh, you know, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah, that's it. So, that's it. Moving yeah, on. There's so, nothing else to yeah, say. Yeah. That. That's perfect. Oh, totally. but, well, I mean, I, I have days all the time where, yeah. you know, I'll screw something up and, you know, you know, our entire database of subscribers will get an email that they shouldn't have received or, you know, or we screw something up in some sort of automation and all of a sudden I've got a whole bunch of people tweeting at me telling me to shut up because my automation is annoying, you know, and this, <laughs> this stuff, you know. So uh, there's, there's definite um, days where your confidence takes a hit. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I've learned over the years is you can quit and no one will remember what you were doing yes. within five minutes. It's, yes. it's gone. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's a, today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish and chips kind of thing. So um, whereas if you don't quit, if you just keep going, eventually – you'll find a sweet spot and you'll have an impact and you'll actually help some people and they'll remember you and they'll talk mm -hmm. about you and then you'll have an opportunity to help some more people. And there's a direct correlation between the amount of people that you help and the success of your business and the amount of money in your bank account. Yeah. Whereas if you're just focusing on making, putting in money in the bank account, that I think that's a short-term strategy and it's not sustainable. So my focus is on helping people. And if I screw something up or my confidence takes a hit, the way I dust myself off is to say, there are people out there who need you to help them. So, mm -hmm. you know, get you, get your act together, dust yourself off, lick your wounds, get back in the seat, get back out there and start helping people and stop being so self-indulgent. <laughs> Good advice. I'm going to sort of gently segue into WP Elevation a little bit. Um, I did the, I went through the whole blueprint course and, and we'll, we'll get onto that, but, um, needless to say, it, it's a, it's a masterclass in how to do an online course. It's utterly brilliant. It's brilliantly executed, brilliantly videoed, brilliantly thought through. Everything's very, very clever. Um, and yeah, well done. Um, Thank I you, mate. I really, certainly I really couldn't have done it. Um, uh, no, you're, you're welcome. Uh, again, I'm being entirely sincere. Um, 
So, and it feels to me like you're possibly the kind of person who works with a process. You work, you work best when you've got um, things to pin things on and a process to fulfill. Do you, like with the WP Elevation course, there's countless steps and then steps within steps and documents that go with those steps and the steps link back to the steps that you did before. And how do you... How do you build these projects like WP Elevation? How do you do you sit down and sweat the details until you're entirely happy? This is it. It's finished. Or are you more of the let's just get it out there, see how it goes and uh, and we will just iterate. It's a bit of a dance and it's a great mm. question actually. It's a it's a bit of a dance. So I do sweat the details until it's good enough mm. that I'm okay to put it out to the marketplace and get some feedback right so yep. the, uh, you know there is a there is a school of thought that if you're not you know <clears throat> and i think in fact it was martin scorsese that says if you're not cringing at your at your first draft of anything he, he talks about the first draft the first cut of a film or the first draft of a script if you're not cringing at your first draft then you've shipped it too late okay that's that's i i get that um there is another school of thought that you know, um, um, Steve Jobs uh, was famous for saying, "Great artistship." And you know, if you if you if you you know fail early and fail often, because that's how you learn. And I totally get that. However, I also have a very fragile ego, Nathan. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> if I get too much negative feedback because something is poor quality, it's going to take me a long time to get up and dust myself off. Yeah. So I do protect myself a little bit by being happy that it's good enough to put it out there in front of people and not cringe but get some feedback now let me just say in the interest of complete transparency the wp elevation course i don't think is finished in fact i don't think it will ever be finished no because things change people change tools change processes change the fundamentals i think are there and i, I think we've done a really good job of beating down the fundamentals but i don't think it will ever be finished um so to answer your question, I have a process. And in fact, this some people listening to this podcast may remember last year we rolled out a couple of uh, launches of a course called Rockstar Empires, That's right, which is yeah. where we taught people the process that we go through to make an online course. And really simply, in a nutshell for me, it's a I start with a Google Doc and I say, okay, what is what does the outcome look like? What is the what's the end result that we want a student to have? And so if I look at WP Elevation, the end result is we want them to have, you know, we want to be able to find incoming leads, um, you know, not lowball on price, position themselves as a premium consultant, get paid decent fees for the work they're doing, have a really great development workflow so they're not drowning in too much work, so that their projects are profitable. And then if they want to, they can look at hiring some people to help them, they can grow their business, and that they're constantly getting referrals and adding value to their network. And, you know, having a sustainable, profitable business where they're not stressed out and it's supporting their lifestyle and their family. That's what the end result result looks like and then we say and with rockstar empires the end result is well these people want to have their own online course okay where are they starting well mm. we always make an assumption that they're starting from scratch so we have a saying here that our job is to take our students from zero to hero right so so you're starting from zero we're going to teach you everything you need to know to become a successful wordpress consultant or to have your own online course if it's rockstar empires so then what we do is we break that down into we usually roll it out in six big steps what are the six big chunky things that they need to fix in their business or, or do to achieve the outcome and then within each of those six steps we break it down into you know 
five to seven to nine smaller steps within each of those big chunky steps. And so then each kind of lesson becomes around about five to 10 minutes and it's a bite-sized chunk deliberately. It's designed to keep your attention and not be boring. And it's got action steps. So, hey, here's the theory. This is why it's important. This is what you need to know. Now, this is how you go do it. And really, that that sort of why, what, how framework I use in any piece of content. So mm. if, if you put me on the spot and said, hey, give me a you know two-minute riff about topic X, Y, Z, and I knew nothing about it, I, instantly I would go, why is this important? Why are we talking about this right now? which would give me some time to think about what I'm going to say next. What is it that we're actually talking about it? And, and what's the thing that we're trying to achieve? And then how do we actually get there? So why, what, how? And when I deliver lessons in any of our courses, that's basically the format. The, the overarching format is why this is important, what it is we're talking about, here's how to do it, here's the template to download, here's your homework. So <clears throat> That all ends up living on one Google Doc. The entire course is mapped out on one Google Doc. And then every template that we give away in our course to help them implement is just linked off to another Google Doc. Mm. So, hey, this is how you do this. Here's the template you need. That's a link from the main course structure, what we call the the, um, the um, syllabus or the outline. That links off to all these other Google Docs, which is which are actually the templates that our students download. Mm. So that's kind of the process that we go through to to keep it all together. And the, the good thing about having that one document, that one source of truth, is you can then collaborate with people to build courses, which we have done. Um, you can you know, split the course up and build half of it each, if, even in different time zones in different countries, which is what Christina and I did with Rockstar Empires. Yep. And then it comes together as a cohesive, you know, you can start off a lesson by saying, hey, in the previous lesson, Nathan was talking to you about podcasting. And in, th in this lesson, I'm going to talk to you about how to start promoting your podcast, because I know what you were talking about in the previous lesson, because it's on that one source of truth document. When you when you've got these, uh, you, you just sort of reeled off a whole very erudite um, process. Um, did you did you come up with these processes yourself, or presumably you've read widely? And and if you have, what would be the well? Let's put a number on it. Let's say two or three um, seminal works which have led you to 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 have these thought processes um, in your business construction, if you like. So, so first of all, it really helps if you're a Virgo, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me just say that I'm a Virgo, and I am, I am, you know, the 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 the, the affectionate phrase for a Virgo is someone who is <laughs> anally retentive about, um, you know, organisation. And I am a Virgo, and I am anally retentive about oh, organisation. So I, I, I would have never guessed. <laughs> You know, I, I need to be organized. Um, I have this saying it at home with my wife, tidy house, tidy, tidy head. Um, so if if the house is untidy, I'm untidy in the head and I get cranky. Uh, so I, things need to be organized and tidy. I'm not OCD, uh, but I am, you know, um, I am tidy in my head. So things need to be, I have pegs and compartments in my head where things live. Yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. that. But the other thing is I have read widely. One of the books I read, um, a long time ago, which was a bit of a game changer for me, was The E-Myth Revisited by ah, Michael E. Gerber, yes, yes. which is definitely worth a read. Um, but there are, there are many uh, books that I've read over the years that give you practical ways to get your processes down. I've also spent a lot of time hanging out with a buddy of mine called David Jennings, who some of your audience may be yep. familiar with. Yep. Um, and he's a systems guy. I mean, we talk about systems all the time. But Probably, probably most importantly is the mindset 
And again, I was having this conversation um, with one of our coaches yesterday. If you want an outcome, I learned this from reading my favorite book of all time, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, hmm. which for those of you who haven't read it, no. it's not about it's not about making money. It's about mindset. It's about um, the, the great catchphrase. I mean, it kind of is about making money, but it's not, you know, when you say think and grow rich, don't think about, you know, oh, it's one of these books that teaches you how to become a millionaire. That's yeah, not yeah, what it's yeah. about. Um, the, the great catchphrase from that book is a man can achieve what he can conceive and believe. Hmm. And this, this takes a long time to kind of get how this works. But if you think about, if you want an outcome, then the way to get that outcome is to visualize what that outcome looks like. So let's talk about an elite athlete who's running a hundred meter hurdle race and they at the Olympics and they want to win a gold medal. These elite athletes will visualize what it is like to be on the starting block and to hear that pistol go off and to take their first few steps and to jump that first hurdle and then to get into the rhythm and jump the next hurdle and the next hurdle and the next hurdle and to be the first across that line with their chest out and their arms back and break that ribbon and then catch their breath, wave to the adoring crowd, be up on the podium, achieving that, receiving that gold medal, singing their national anthem. They will visualize every single second of that journey. And the more they visualize it and the more they actually feel the emotions of that experience, then the more their subconscious and their, the, their body and the cells within their body are driven to make that a reality. So if you can if you can conceive it, hey, I'm going to win the gold medal at the Olympics for the 100 meter hurdles. You've conceived it, and you actually believe it, then you can achieve it. Now, what a lot of people don't talk about is the the steps that you take between the believe and the achieve, mm. right? And those steps are breaking everything down into bite sized chunks and just ticking it off and being consistent with ticking off what you need to do to get there. So your diet is going to be completely regimented. Your exercise regime is going to be consistent. You're going to surround yourself with the best coaches. You are going to go through everything you need to go through to get there, and you're going to be consistent. And most of that is really boring, repetitive work. So when you make an online course, you might work seven days straight for six weeks in a row and not see your family because you are in the office recording these videos, and by the end of it, you are exhausted and you are you are mind-numbingly bored with your own voice and you are questioning everything you are doing. You are having major imposter syndrome panic attacks, wondering if anyone else is ever going to believe anything you've said or everyone is just going to think you're completely full of it. That's mm. what you have to go through yeah. in order to achieve the outcome that you visualized. Boy. And that's, for me, that's where process comes in to keep me on track. What do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? It all comes down to checklist and process. Yeah, I mean, when I went through the WP Elevation course, it was clear that there was a lot of process behind it. You know, you'd sweated the details and, and that's that's why it's so good and that's why it's so successful. Do you think in, do you think in 10 years' time it'll be WP Elevation? What I mean by that is, do you, do you see... WP, WordPress, do you see that being around um, in 10 so, years' time? It's a really good question, one that I've, I've asked myself and one that we're a conversation we have here with the team, yeah. you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Like, now, the, what, what gives me comfort is, you know, um, there's a little hosting company out of Austin, Texas called WP Engine. Oh, yeah. Who recently raised a lot of money um, and – uh, to to scale up yep. and uh, and to keep you know and to keep going, and um, I take a lot of comfort in the fact that a company like WP Engine are all in on WP, 
um, they raised a hundred. Uh, sorry, they, they their annual revenue is now over a hundred million dollars in recurring revenue, mm. and um, they just raised a bunch of money from Silver Lake. Uh, That's right. Yeah, uh, they two, just raised two hundred and fifty million. Two hundred and fifty million dollar yeah. investment. Now, and they're rolling out their WordPress digital experience platform. I don't know whether they're getting ready to pivot their brand and become you know, something other than WP Engine, whether they're whether they're going to become the digital experience engine or I'm not sure, DEP engine. I don't know what their mm. what their plan is, but I take a lot of comfort in the fact that there's lots of big companies in the WordPress space who are going all in on WordPress. Mm. And I can tell you from conversations I've had privately that there are lots of big companies in the WordPress space who are not just in the WordPress space, but in in other markets who are going all in and spending a lot of time and money and resources into the the WordPress space. Mm. So in 10 years' time, you know, will WP Elevation still be called WP Elevation? I think it will. The WP might stand for web professionals. I don't know. It might still stand for WordPress. I can't see WordPress going anywhere in a hurry because of the nature of the project. It's open source. No one owns it. You know, if it all went belly up and, you know, people started abandoning WordPress as we know it, there would be a bunch of us, Nathan, in the WordPress space that would probably just fork it and turn it into something else yeah. and pivot together, you know. Yeah. So I think the real strength in this whole thing is the community and, I, you know, without being a, a woo-woo hippie, I think that really is the strength in the whole WordPress ecosystem is the community and the relationships that people have mm. around this fantastic piece of software and yeah. what it can do. Um, are you all right for a few more minutes? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Oh, great, I'll, great. Sit here, I'll sit here for weeks. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, well, that's good. Um, I was asking um, in our Facebook group um, some uh, questions which I thought I'd propose to you. And uh, I might not link the names directly as we speak, but I'll hopefully link them in the show notes. And one of the things which came up by three different people in different forms is... So WP Elevation is very much specifically aimed at um, WordPress professionals who would like to grow their business and make it more successful. Um, and and obviously we're now in that period of time where WordPress is becoming so ludicrously easy to use. You know, you've got these fabulous mm. page builders and Gutenberg is just around the corner. Um, mm. And the question basically is, do you think that our jobs as uh, WordPress website builders or what have you are going to evaporate because the platform mm. itself will become so ridiculously easy to use and, and maintain and update and, and so on. Mm. It's a great question. And it's, it's a question that I have with our members on a very, very, very regular basis. So here's my take on it. There's this piece of software called the grid, I think it is, which is an artificial intelligence robot. And the, the value proposition is that we'll just take a Photoshop file and spit out a valid HTML, CSS website. There's no code required. You just literally drag your Photoshop file onto your browser and it will spit out a website using artificial intelligence. And all the you know web designers around the world are going, oh, my God, we're all going to be out of a job. So here's the thing. That's fabulous if it can do that. But how do you know what to put in the Photoshop file? Mm. Are you going to put lorem ipsum as your headline? Mm. How do you know what to put in your call to action box? And when you click on the call to action box, how do you know what to put in the pop-up to actually collect leads so that you can have a conversation and turn those leads into customers? So it sounds like – the, 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 sorry, I, you clearly haven't finished. No, no, go on. Well, go I was going to say it sounds like – 
the the job that we need to be good at is a bigger job than building websites. It's having knowledge of um, marketing funnels and it's having knowledge potentially of um, trends in web design and all of those kind of things. Is is yeah? Have I, have I got that right? So partially. So okay. I think the reason that we call our tribe consultants is because your job, if you are interfacing with a client, there's 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 two ways you can do this. You can interface with a client. Or if you're a developer, you can interface with an agency and the agency interfaces with the client, right? Mm. I'll talk about that scenario in a moment. Mm. But if you're interfacing directly with a client, your job is as a consultant is to understand what it is they're trying to achieve and why. And then your job is to help them design a solution that gets them the outcome that they want. So, for example, if you've got a charity who's looking at running a campaign for everyone to give up alcohol for the month of February. This is a real life example of one of my old clients, by the way. Okay. Uh, everyone give up alcohol for the month of February and we're going to raise a million dollars for the drug and alcohol sector by people sponsoring you to give up alcohol for the month of February. And we need a landing page. And on that landing page, we're going to uh, spend money on Facebook ads to go to that landing page. And all we want people to do is to sign up and join the campaign. And then we give them a unique link on the thank you page, which they can share with their friends, which takes them to their ambassador page and allows people to sponsor the cause right yep yep now just unpack that for a minute yes there's lots of moving parts there <laughs> yeah you know? there is there's lots of moving parts there let's have a think about what's the messaging going to be on the facebook ads are we going to run several yeah. different campaigns on the facebook ads for men and for women and for different age groups okay maybe we need a dynamic landing page which changes based on a parameter in the url from the facebook ad or the utm parameters right yep. now don't tell me that an AI robot is going to have that conversation with a client and be able to design that solution. Yes. So your job is to really understand why the client's doing what they're doing, what they're trying to achieve, and to give them the most efficient and most elegant solution so that they can get the end result. Now, we just happen to use WordPress as our main tool because of its extensibility and its flexibility and the plugin infrastructure that it allows us to, mm. to do. So. You know, if, if a client wants to go do this, and there will always be clients who want to do it themselves, and that's fine. They're not the right clients that I want to talk to because they have a scarcity mentality which says, I don't want to spend money hiring a professional to do this for me. I'll save that money and I'll do it myself. And the three weeks or the four weeks or the six weeks or the three months that they spend trying to figure it out is three months that they've actually just put their business on hold mm. because now all of a sudden they're trying to become a WordPress expert and they're not developing their own business. That's fine. They're just not at the point in their entrepreneurial career at the moment where they're ready to work with me or one of our consultants because they, they have the wrong mindset, right? So I don't think our job is ever going to be redundant. In fact, I actually think these these page builders and the way that, that, that WordPress is becoming easier to use is good for two reasons. First mm. of all, I think it's going to bring more people to the platform. I think more people are going to be asking for WordPress solutions because they know that it's easier to manage moving forward. And it's actually going to make our development job and our development workflows more efficient, which means we can you know, increase the profitability in our business and have more efficient manufacturing processes and deliver better solutions to our clients. So, I, you know, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm all in on WordPress. I think it's fabulous, and I take the same approach. I, I, for me, the the difficult um, 
circle to square is keeping track of what's happening and making sure that the that the path that the thing that I'm reading up on or the thing that I'm um, exploring is actually worth exploring and it's not just going to become vaporware and evaporate into dust so I try to have my fingers in as many pies as possible and you know page builders it was and so it proved to be that's great I'm happy I I went in that direction and everybody's happy and and I don't know what the next one is but yeah that's that's really interesting Um, so WP Elevation is a is a really premium coaching course if you like um, designed Mm. to to get people like me um, to up their game and so on. Now, a, f- a few of the um, a few of the comments and questions that we got were centered around price. Now, you, mm-hmm. uh, you're brilliant at addressing this problem um, in terms of people like me going to clients. WP Elevation is is how to describe. It? I mean, it's not cheap, is it? It's a it's, no, it's it, it is it is the price it is. And a few mm-hmm. comments that you replied to yourself cheekily sort of said something <laughs> along the lines of "stick it on AppSumo" or "I can't." <laughs> afford it right now um do, do you have anything around price to talk about you, i don't know how to phrase this question to sure to, to least upset you um no no look you you can't upset me at all oh, I mean, I, I, it's a very a frank conversation and i like to have this conversation there's a couple of reasons why wp elevation is priced the way it's priced now let me just wind the clock back to the end of 2015 when we first rolled out WP Elevation as a course it used to be just a membership website from 2013 through 2015 it was just a membership website it was $97 a month which was the most expensive business membership website in the WordPress space and even in the small business entrepreneurial space excuse me most of them are around about the $37 to $57 a month mark we deliberately went in at $97 a month for a couple of reasons we want to attract people who are serious about making an investment of time and resources and effort into improving their business. I'm, I, I don't want to attract people who are just looking for an opportunity to run a little business from home and they're going to stick with it for three or four months and then and then flake out because mm. they're off shiny, you know, chasing another shiny object. Mm. So I do want to filter out the people who aren't serious about the commitment but also, I wanted this to be a profitable business so that we could grow and scale and serve more people and bring on more team members to support the people that we've got. So uh, that was where it was priced initially. Then in September 2015, we shut down the membership um, doors and said, okay, all of our members are now grandfathered in. Uh, we're going to roll this out into an actual course that you enroll in. And it was $497 for our first intake in September 2015. And everyone went through that course. We had 202 students go through that course initially. And everyone went through that course and they're like, dude, this is way too cheap. I was expecting, when I went through your launch, I was expecting this to be a $1,500 price point or a $2,000 price point, which most online courses, if you go through a big sort of product launch, you know, three free videos, then the the course is, you know, most of them around about the 1997 mark. Yeah. I didn't have the confidence to sell it at that price point when we first started out. So the next launch we did in February 2016 was 997 and it's gone up since then and the last few launches and this launch that we're having in March 2018 is 1497. Mm. We do, that's US, we do have payment plans to help people with cash flows and the payment plans are even more expensive. The payment plans are $197 a month for 12 months. Right. So you do you do save a bit if you can make the investment up front but yep, we understand cash flow can be tight so we, we offer people payment plans. Now, I can tell you this now, this will be the last, and this is not false scarcity, this is the last time we're offering this program at this price. After 
this launch, the price will go up probably to 1997, and yes. that's where it will sit for a while because yeah. that's where it should be. The reason, two reasons. One, again, I'd only want to attract people who are serious about making the commitment and the, and the time to actually build a successful business. Um, at that price point, I know people are going to turn up, they're going to pay attention, they're going to engage. Our completion rates of our online course are off the charts good. Most online courses get completion rates of about 10% or less. And we've got student completion wow. rate. And just think about any think about any online course that you've bought that you haven't completed. I'm sure people listening are nodding their head. We have student completion rates of over 65% consistently. So 65 out of every 100 people who enroll in our course actually complete the course, get their certificate, print it out, and put their photo on the Facebook group. And that's because it's priced at a certain price point that they want to return on their investment. And also at that price point, we have the profit in the business to be able to hire enough people to support yeah, all of our yeah. students through the journey and yeah. not just leave them on their own. Don't underestimate what Troy just said because, um, okay, 65%, That's first start, that's brilliant. But it's massive. It takes a long time to finish your course so 65 percent you know if it was a four-hour course well so so 65 yeah. percent with the quantity of stuff that you've got in there and the hoops that you've got to jump through is is impressive congratulations yeah. that's amazing yeah. i kind of realized that we've 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 kind of not really talked um a lot about wp elevation i hope that's okay i realize that that's the, fine. the sort of typical thing to do on a podcast is to is to come on and, you know, describe the plugin, describe the, the, the product yeah, and so yeah. on. But we've talked a lot about you and and um, and I hope that's okay. That's totally fine. In fact, it's been very refreshing, Nathan. It's been Good. a breath of fresh air and oh. uh, I've, I've totally enjoyed it. And you know what? If people want to learn more about WP Elevation, there's plenty of places on the internet where they can go and learn about the actual program itself. So I, yeah. I'm actually pleased that we've um, taken a slightly different angle on this conversation. Well, it's going to come out soon, hopefully before you launch, uh, because it would be nice to, you know, to, to sort of massage it a little bit in your direction because you've made the effort to come on. So um, WPElevation.com, if you want to find more about that, I can highly recommend it. I finished it myself. Um, I actually made a little YouTube video for Jin when she was on um, sort of describing what's in the back end. It's probably a little bit out of date now, to be honest. It's about six months old, but it gives you an impression of the volume of stuff that's in there. And there is rather a lot, as you'll find out. So um, Troy Dean from Australia, thank you so much for coming on, giving up your, what are you on? Are you, are you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? It's where are we, you? It's, where, it's Sunday morning where <laughs> I am. Sunday. It's Sunday. The planet's yeah, really it's, big. It's, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, no, thank it's, you. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, nine a.m. Wednesday morning for me. Oh, I'm on. I'm on ten p.m. on a Tuesday. Uh, I do apologise if you've heard things. Basically, it, there's a blizzard outside of snow, and there are things hitting my roof. Um, so I'm sorry wow. if, the, if the noise has been uh, affecting you. But uh, an absolute, genuine pleasure. I've wanted to have you on for a very long time, and, and now I've done it. So great. Thanks, well, Troy. Thanks for ha thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, and keep podcasting, man. You're doing a great job. Thank Just, you. you know. And you, you're one of the, you know, and you're consistent. It's hard. It's keeping oh, up the podcast is there hard are, work, man. There so are some days well when, when I'm a bit like you, you get the whole imposter syndrome and you just, yeah, yeah. keep going, keep going, just keep swimming. All right. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks, Nathan. And today's ending term or fact 
is all about navigation scrolling and below and above the fold. Now, we're going to start doing facts for a little while because at this end section we've been concentrating on terms, what things mean. Now we're going to do a few weeks of facts. And this one comes from the usertesting.com website. Um, and they've got a whole load of facts on one of their pages, and I'll put the link in the show notes. This one, though, is trying to say that the, the notion of things being best placed above the fold, i.e. where the viewport ends, um, so that your visitors immediately see it, is really not so much a thing anymore. I'm still in the habit of saying to my clients, you know, you want your most important stuff right where a person can see it when they visit the site immediately. And as of... 2017, apparently this is no longer a thing because users, probably driven by mobile interfaces, are more than happy to scroll as soon as they've arrived on the page. And apparently it's more important to have a compelling narrative stretching over one page than it is to have everything focused on the top. Any thoughts on that, David? Yeah. Well, do you know what? It's clients are now telling me about above the fold rather than the other way around. So I've been challenging them because we're different because I quite like the landing page layout where it does tell the story down the page as an easy way of segmenting content for for the design. But I'm growing weary of it, so I'm going the other way. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, I, but, I'm going to have to revisit all of this because I, I still am in the old school. Yeah. Well, do you know what? This is okay. This is usability. But then maybe SEO arguments would be very different. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, I wonder how uh, this fact, if you like, has been determined. It's a bit open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, it's an interesting debate. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think the idea of putting everything with a narrative that scrolls. I mean, if you think about it, the, the fold on the on a phone is, is meaningless. Um, yes. And and I wonder, presumably, they've sat and watched people, you know, it's usertesting.com, sat and watched people open up a bunch of web pages and they've just noticed that they literally just scroll around at great speed until their eye settles on something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where all this comes from. So so anyway, there yeah. you go. That's our little fact for the day. <laughs> um, yes. We will say sayonara. Bye-bye from the WP Builds podcast. My name's Nathan Wrigley. And I'm David Wansley. And Goodbye. We shall see you soon. Goodbye.